The reality is because it's an iterative process, sometimes on some projects you hit gold in you know the first early rounds of iteration and on some projects it takes longer and I think that expectation is something that's difficult to come to terms with for some organizations. Welcome to Stuck in Design, where our founders share candid conversations about design, creativity and business. Let's begin. So today, um, we have some questions on design thinking. And um, yeah, maybe we could start off by um, having you in the most concise way possible. How would you describe the design thinking process? Yep. And yeah, what is design thinking? Uh, in the most concise way possible, I would say that the core, the core of design thinking, the, the core activity that we do is really to find opportunity and then after that, to test. And basically, that's, that's it. Mm -hmm. So in a not-so-concise not so way, um, yeah, is there anything um, that you could elaborate on um, yeah, what this process is? And are there any variations in yep. how different people describe the process? Yeah, so I think around, around that core of finding opportunities and testing, there's a few things which make, I think, somewhat the, the hallmark of design thinking, right? Uh, one of it is the iterative process that you are not, you are not just finding opportunities once, in, but that you're using the iterations, the testing to see, hey, what do users actually want? Um, why do they want it? What did they say about it? Or also really importantly is what didn't they say about it, but um, what did we observe about it? And those insights, go into the next round of opportunities. Um, and that, that iterative process is one of the hallmarks of design thinking. I think the other hallmark of design thinking is uh, the, um, the empathy, right? Empathy for user. And that's around, um, you can call it human-centered design. You can call it uh, empathetic design, but it's the same, right? That, that, that process of finding insight or testing really is about taking out, getting out of your own perspective into the shoes of the user to understand what do they mean when they say that, why do they say that. And I think those two elements are really critical parts of the process. Um, how you do those uh, will, may vary depending on the choice of topic, depending on who you are speaking to, and also the organization um, you are working with. But pretty much those things are, are I would say the, the broader intent behind why we are why we are finding opportunities and why we are testing, right? So, um, <clears throat> what is design thinking um, used best for? And do you have an example to illustrate how this um, process is used? Mm. What is it used best for? It, it's hard from our perspective because it is such an ingrained part of our process that even though in certain projects we aren't able to have the full spectrum to run a full research, a full insight gathering phase, the team will still do a leaner version of that, right? What's a really quick way to identify opportunities in the absence of being able to talk to users? That might mean going to online forums, that might mean you know, other ways of gathering information 
um, just so that you can get a handle on the on where to start, where to begin. Um, and after that, that testing process is also something that, you know, if in the event that you can't test with users, what are the proxies that you can use to find more information? Um, what are the adjacencies that you can infer um, without testing? And of course, those are not complete processes, but those are mm, half processes which, which are trying to get as close as possible to the original intent. So seeing as how um, design thinking is still quite a popular um, process framework and even uh, a buzzword, even after so many years, um, have you seen any misconceptions that people may have of design thinking? And if so, is there one that you could share? I, I think you are right. You know, it's been around in, in even business lexicon for so long already that um, I think a lot of people know about it. Um, I would say the, maybe the miscon not so much misconception, but expectations that um, teams going teams going into a design thinking workshop or trying to Im implement design thinking processes may have certain expectations for what the outcomes may be. Um, and the reality is because it's an iterative process, sometimes on some projects you hit gold in you know the first early rounds of iteration and on some projects it takes longer and there, there are plenty of variables in between. And I think that expectation is something that's difficult to come to terms with for some organizations that, um, you know, like, hey, we managed to get it um, great in, you know, two rounds. And why is it taking so long for different projects? Yeah. So as a, as a process, it's not point A, it's not a point A to point B process. It's um, more like the other way around. You start, you start with all the, potential point Bs um, and test all the different variants of that so that you get to a good starting question and say, hey, this is what we really want to solve. And that streamline, streamlines the process. And inherently, that can be quite uncomfortable process, even for designers, right? To be able to say, hey, we don't know, we don't know certain things and we need to test it in order to get clarity. Hmm. Has there ever been a scenario where um a project was going through the iterative phase, right? But um, within perhaps that scope uh, of that project, the, um, the team wasn't able to reach a satisfying um, so-called outcome. Uh, and you know, was that, how was that um, received by both mm. the team and the client? So I think it happens that you... There, there are times where in the course of iteration, you don't have a satisfactory outcome. I think that's common. Um, what, what happens in those cases is we go back and see, hey, the opportunity that we highlighted, what was valuable about that opportunity? Because in the end, we are not testing outcomes. Sometimes we are verifying assumptions, right? So often when we test an idea, we may be that the idea is not well received. And that's fine because sometimes the ideas are there to elicit responses. What we really want to verify is the assumptions behind, hey, we thought that users were doing this or saying this uh, because of these reasons. They were motivated by a certain need or a certain aspiration or a certain value. And I think that baseline, even though your idea 
you know, didn't didn't meet the mark. Um, at the baseline, did we uncover information about those assumptions? Were we able to get clarity on their needs and aspirations? I think that's the key one. And I would say that so far, even though the iterations they're not iterations that don't result in successful um, validation of ideas, right? That their, their purpose in finding out, uncovering insight, uncovering truth in some sense, that that seldom fails, right? It just means that it may take you longer to get to an idea which addresses those needs or values, but at least you found out what, what, what are the buttons to press on. Okay, um, so could you name one thing that um, you wish for non-designers who have attended uh, design thinking workshops, um, one thing that you wish um, they knew even after attending a design thinking workshop. Like, yeah, because you were mentioning about, um, you know, having um, that expectation to get certain outcomes after design thinking. What's okay, wait, just to clarify, mm -hmm. this is things that they wish they knew before they attended the workshop? Uh, even after attending a workshop. So things that they retained. Yes. Okay. What I, I would say the most valuable thing to retain in the design thinking workshop is that sense of curiosity. In the end, you know, all the processes are there in place because to some extent, um, we tend to jump to conclusions. We tend to make assumptions about things that we see or we hear or we observe. And going through this process um, is, is really about two things, right? One is about getting perspective on the user and in order to do that, there, there needs to be a certain sense of curiosity about saying, hey, are these, are these the reasons um, behind the way things are right now or behind why someone is doing something? And without that curiosity, you, you want to jump to a solution and say, okay, I've, I've got it. Um, so it is that curiosity which is driving you to say, okay, maybe we need to look at this a little bit more. We need to understand this a little bit. Um, better or understand that person a little bit better and that is I would I would say that's the most important kind of takeaway other than you know like learning how to do the processes is that inherently we are kind of biased to the solutions or assumptions that we think should exist yeah yeah I mean so you mentioned uh, maybe it's also a good question to ask then um yeah, for, for non-designers who are going to attend design thinking workshops. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. What kind of um, framework do you think, framework, frame of mind um, mm. you think they should have as they go into such workshops? Mm. I think the, the biggest challenge that we face is self-censorship, right? No one, everyone goes into a workshop with expectation that, okay, we are going to, we are, we are trying to create, we are trying to be creative, but the reality is, in our work dynamics or cultural dynamics, there is a lot of inhibition, right? We, we don't want to say the wrong things. We don't want to sound stupid, um, especially with you know, a group of people I'm meeting or working with for the first time. So that's always the, the toughest barrier um, to overcome because that, that really is the, the part with, with which you say, okay, your, your assumptions kick in, right? I assume that this is a bad idea or I assume that people are not going to like it or it's going to be really silly. Um, and that's where you 
either hinder your natural curiosity or the ability to generate, right? Uh, processes aside, um, the, the, I, two things, right? One is either you being so um, unselfconscious uh, that you're willing to put yourself on the line or that the cultural environment um, or the corporate culture or whatever that workshop culture is makes you feel so comfortable that, hey, it's okay, I can, I can get away with saying silly things. Um, the ideas can be crap. Um, that, that really makes a difference. And there are a lot of people who are unnaturally inquisitive or are um, maybe in their roles. They don't have to be designers. It can be in other roles that already know how to kind of switch on and off this filter. And those people tend, tend to really enjoy these workshops. Um, and, uh, the, and it's, it's usually clear, you know, when you put them in a group setting, um, what that ability to not self-censor has on the output of, you know, ideas that they, they put out. Yeah. So having conducted um, these kind of uh, design thinking workshops for um, corporate teams, as well as, um, you know, your, your teaching role in NUS to yeah. um, budding students, like designers, um, is there any difference in the way that um, you teach this uh, design thinking content and is there a difference in the way that um, the students or the um, corporate teams respond to these mm. teachings? Yeah, so I, it goes back to what we mentioned earlier that um, to the, the cultural context plays uh, a big difference. You know, in, a, in an academic context where the, where the students know that failure is part of the, um, the process, then the ability to generate and um, pick up and critique is a lot quicker than in a corporate culture where you know that at, at the end of the day, you leave the workshop, you're going back to you know, your daily grind your, or your, your established hierarchy or established work processes. And it's not so easy to switch, which is why that, that kind of self-censorship kicks in again. So I think that is that is one one difference that we see. Um, the other difference that we see is, I, which is really clear and it's also really interesting, is a generational difference, right? Um, the generation gaps are getting shorter, and we can see, you know, even from a even from a few years, the working audience and the younger audience, what they resonate with, what their interests are, and how they react. Uh, and talk about subjects are really different as well. So um, it's hard to pin down exactly um, what it is because it's evolving. You know, like with each with each new batch of students, there are slight changes. Um, but uh, taken as a whole, you can you can see that it really is quite different between um, the the way that that small generation gap processes. Um, shares information and also collaborates. Yeah. Is there a way to actually apply design thinking um, in parts? Because design thinking can be quite a long yeah. process, right? So I don't know, are there like maybe just in applying certain tools in yeah. the process? So um, yeah, instead yeah, of having so to go I, through... I think that's a good point. And this upcoming workshop on Monday is that, right? Uh, they do know they want to come up with creative outcomes, but they also know that the 
the team has not a lot of time. So they said, hey, can you just help us get better at ideation? And I think maybe sometimes that, that may be a better way to start. You say like, hey, let's just show you some tools. Um, they're part of the design thinking toolkit, but we don't even have to talk about design thinking. You say like, you know, we just help you ideate better. And that is a lot more tangible for, for a team to say like, oh, you help me get better ideas? Okay, good. Versus I'm going to teach you design thinking. Like, what is design thinking going to get me? Right? It's, it's a bit harder to explain. And I think once they see value in the tools, they might, they'll see more value in the other parts of the process. Because once they have good ideas, they go like, okay, so now how do I test the ideas so that I can make the ideas better? Um, and then, then, you can, then you can introduce the, the insight part, you know, the, the tools for gathering insight, research tools, and so on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think there, there are ways to break it up. Um, the why not a lot of organizations ask for it, I suppose, might be because they are maybe trying to jump on the design thinking bandwagon um, that the process is it has been has been hyped up and that you know if you get a memo from your director saying hey guys the um, you guys should start implementing design thinking practices your first reaction is okay let's let's get the team to understand what design thinking is and do an introductory workshop on that not to say let's get them to ideate better and get them to learn some tools and uh, that that might be the gap yeah do you think that actually um in so I was just thinking about the whole self-censorship and things. Do you think it's better to have workshops or so-called focus group sessions with um, participants who don't know each other compared yes, to in the Yes, actually, that's, that's, that's great. So we had one session where we had the teachers with the students there because the teachers were trying to find out about the students. And that session was really cool because in design thinking... Um, workshops it's a workshop because there's not enough time right and when you have the users there and you can get immediate feedback that's really interesting yeah because then you're able to squeeze some level of insight into the session which which worked really well but it's really hard to arrange for that to happen as well right if you imagine an organization and the users are are con consumers and you know, they've got such a large strategic audience. Um, how do you involve them in a way that, that engages everybody equally? It's not really easy. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next week to get stuck in design.